So uh, I would like to welcome everyone. We're in uh, different surroundings here, and, uh, but it's still the same Beautification and Environmental Advisory Committee with our new member, Robin. Welcome. But I'd like to uh, f go down the list and start with a call to order. I call the meeting to order, and I asked all of us to rise and recite the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. <coughs> Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, thank you. Now, uh, next item is our roll call. So why don't we start with the lady on the immediate uh, far left. Uh, Robin Mackler. Robin Mackler is here. Robert Knapp. Bob, Bob is here. Jeffrey Seib, here. Edward Byers, here. Glenn Partlow, here. Okay, we are all here, completely in attendance. So now, let's uh, go to item C, which is the minutes. And that is the min minutes of the December 5th meeting of the Beautification and Environmental Advisory Committee. Does anybody uh, have any questions or comments or corrections uh, to uh, the minutes of that meeting? Hearing no questions or comments, well, I would ask for a uh, motion to accept the minutes. So moved. We have a motion by Bob to accept. And second. Second by Ed. Uh, all those in favor? <coughs> Yay. Aye. 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 So the minutes pass as uh, shown. Okay, now today I'd like to ask the committees uh, to uh, make a slight change uh, as we have done in the past uh, where we can uh, bring the new business item of uh, the Palm Coats Arts Foundation and the Turtles as our first item of the agenda so that we can uh, deal with that at this time. If that's okay with everyone, we don't need a vote on that, but uh, if uh, everybody's good with that, then why don't we just go ahead and, uh, and bring, uh, bring our presentation of the new turtles by uh, Nancy Krauss, who is the uh, director of the Palm Coats Arts Foundation and very much involved with a lot of arts uh, items, as uh, I found out with our Arts Commission meetings, which is great. Yes, we need more art. Uh, art stimulates the mind and gets people thinking, uh, whether they like it or not. Uh, it's one way or the other. As we know from some of the comments of the, the, the sculpture out on the lake uh, there. But anyway, Nancy, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, um, and I think you'll like these. Um, as many of you know, the Public Turtle Trail uh, sculpture project started in May 2018. And since then, um, we have seven turtles installed now and three more on the way. So I just wanted to quickly give you an update from start to where we are now and ask your approval on two turtles that are going to hopefully be installed on city property. One at the community center, and one at Palm Harbor Golf Course, and I'll run through those. So, um, as you know, this is, oh, can they see that? Can you see what I'm seeing? Oh, 
the screen. recovered. So when the turtles come to us, they are these five foot by five foot fiberglass mole turtles. And we reach out to area artists to create, um, to recreate uh, a new masterpiece for the community. And among them, um, this was our very first turtle, if you'll recall, Claude was based on Monet's water lilies. Mm -hmm. And he is um, sitting outside in front of our outdoor stage. Um, artists Tom Anastasio and Paul Bilyeu um, painted Claude. Our second turtle arrived shortly after in October 2018. Um, Fred and Beth Allen and Terry and Rafael Medina sponsored this turtle. Uh, Louis Comfort Tiffany turtle based on the Art Nouveau work of, um, of Tiffany. And the artist was local artist Ron Lace and Tiff is at the Long Creek Nature Preserve being loved by all. Um, the third turtle um, has been installed in our first residential community at Grand Haven, and it's, his name is Mark C., based on the uh, work of Mark Chagall. Um, this was um, the piece windows that were installed at the United Nations building. This is a rendition on the back of this turtle of those piece windows. Paul Bilyeu um, also painted this turtle at the request of the sponsor. Turtle four came in June. Um, 2019, and um, this is one of our trustees sponsored this turtle. He wanted students to participate. So we reached out to the school district. Old Kings Elementary School was the perfect site for this turtle to, um, to live because it's a marine sciences flagship school. So we reached out to the school, the, the younger elementary school students, those standing around the turtle there. Um, they came up with the concept of the artists that they wanted on their turtle. And then they presented that to the high school art club at Flagler Palm Coast High School. And um, Pablo was born. So Pablo is a Picasso turtle, and he's fabulous. And in the bottom corner there, you can see some of the high school students working on, this is a whole year long process because this, the art club only met once a week for about an hour. So it took them the entire school year to create this turtle. Turtle five is Nadia, which you probably saw right in front of City Hall. A local artist, J.J. Graham, created this one based on the ballerina works of Edgar Degas. And um, it was sponsored by an anonymous donor who wished to remain anonymous. And so um, he was dedicated in September. 
Turtle Six is Quilty. Quilty is at a little park um, just off Colbert Lane and Waterfront Park Drive. Um, he is sponsored by Bill and Pat Verhagen. And um, Quilty is based on a 1700s quilt artist um, by the name of Betty White. So um, this is my very first female artist that was participating in the program. She got very attached to Quilty and really didn't want to give, him, give her up. You know. um, number seven, you probably saw um, Garfield. Um, Garfield has a very rich and long um, history with Palm Coast. When it became, uh, ITT was developing the area and they used Garfield as their mascot. So this is the historical component, and it is sponsored by Kathy Reichardt-Alaski, who is a board member at the Palm Coast Historical Society, and that's where he sits right now, outside the Historical Society. And local artist Andy Sovia painted that turtle, and he is based on the cartoons of Jim Davis. We did get permission from Jim Davis to do this. Um, turtle number eight, this one's in progress. Uh, this is going to the Flagler Beach Historical Museum. Her um, Helene and Eric Bess of Bess Studios um, are painting this eco-tourist turtle. He is going to be fabulous, and he's going to be unveiled February 26th at 3 o'clock. Um, they're shutting down the street in front of the museum there in Flagler Beach. They're going to do um, like a big block party and they're going to start it with the unveiling of this turtle and then have music and all kinds of other things going on. It's kind of like a grand reopening of A1A. So this is the turtle that will be put in front of the community center, we hope. This is Vincent, our Van Gogh turtle. And that's Jan Jackson down in the corner there. She is the artist. Um, the turtle was just picked up from her garage today. And um, he's now resting comfortably over at Gibbs Chevrolet, waiting for his clear coat. So um, that's Vincent. Um, that's the uh, Cafe Terrace um, piece that Van Gogh did. She did a marvelous job on this turtle. So we're hoping that this is the one that will go in front of, uh, or somewhere at the community center. By somewhere, we were hoping, and, and I think there's further conversations on this, but. One of the ideas was to put it on the side there closer to Palm Coast Parkway there between those two palm trees, maybe close to the water, maybe it's like he's coming out of the water. There's a lot of discussion going on exactly where to put this turtle. He has to be within a security camera range of the building. Um, but um, so we'll figure that out. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow about that and figure out where exactly in a safe, secure place. Um, number 10 turtle um, will be called Nancy Marie in honor of uh, legendary golfer Nancy Lopez, who we are inviting back to Palm Coast in May. She's going to be our celebrity golfer um, at our tournaments uh, with Chichi Rodriguez. So um, she's come, she hasn't been back since her early days of being the first female golf pro at Palm Harbor. So we're excited to have her back. Um, the sponsor is Mary Gable. The artist is Bob Teller. And this is not actually painted on the turtle yet. This is his study. So this is a study of what the painting will look like on the turtle. He just did it on canvas first to get some kind of spatial parameters and try to figure out spacing. Because painting on a turtle is, gonna be, is a lot different than painting on a flat canvas. There's a lot of ridges on a turtle. So. Um, 
that is Nancy Lopez and her swing, and that's Billy Casper. It's supposed to be Billy Casper um, leaning up against his golf club in the foreground there. And that building in the way back is the original clubhouse building. He found some old historical documents and photos, so he incorporated that original historical golf club building into the painting. So this one will be, she doesn't know about this, and this will be a surprise to her, a big surprise. <laughs> um, so she's going to be at Palm Harbor Golf Course on t that Tuesday morning of May 12th, and she's going to be conducting a ladies' clinic for us. Um, and uh, after the clinic, we're going to unveil her turtle in her honor. So we're hoping that that turtle, is this what you were thinking too? Uh, we've been, been going back and forth a little bit, and um, with some conversations going on with the development going on over at Palm Harbor, we thought this might be the best place to put the turtle under this newly mulched area here close to the restaurant. But again, that's all subject to, you know, I mean, they, if they renovate the building, then the turtle will be moved temporarily to another place, but the turtles are movable. This, this uh, location is on City of Palm Coast property? At the golf course. Okay. That's the Green Lion restaurant there. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, I think that's it. So that's where we are. Okay, can I have a couple, ask a couple questions? Certainly. <clears throat> I, uh, who mainly, who pays for this? Is that the sponsor of each one pays for that particular turtle? Yes, the sponsor pays for everything. And then uh, as far as the foundation and all, that's, that's all paid for by the sponsor? Yes. Uh, well, the sponsor pays for the turtle and all the expenses towards it. I mean, that's part of their fee. $5,000 is what the turtle costs. Everything. That's what yes, everything. that's what the turtle costs, and it's about 60% of that goes towards the expenses. Now, have we made any of you made any thoughts about uh, who's going to, how we maintain the turtles over time? Because I imagine they're going to need some kind of maintenance. Yes, the only thing they'll really need is a clear coat. Uh huh. And who would be doing that? The city of Coast? Well, probably not. Um, I've asked my auto body shop guys, and they will go out and do it when it's time. Um, they said, you won't need it for several years, many years. Our turtle that's been out there for almost two years now looks as good as he did the day he was installed. Okay. And I, um, now, <clears throat> how, mu how many turtles do you envision? How long, how, mu how long is this project going to continue? I don't know. I kind of like to see 50 to 50 turtles out there in different places throughout the county. I don't know. It depends on how many sponsors come forward. I have no trouble finding artists for this. The artists are really coming forward wanting to participate in this program. Okay. Wow. The other thing is I noticed that um, now some of the turtles, like the Garfield and the Nancy Loop, that pertains to history of Palm mm -hmm. Coast, Correct. Uh, which is really good. Uh, who makes the determination of the theme? Well, it's pretty much the sponsor. Um, they're, the, they're buying the turtle. I mean, it's their turtle, basically, until they hand it over to, perhaps, like, the city. And once they install it to, on city property, it's no longer theirs. But we do have a conversation with them about their concept, their design, their ideas. Do they have a favorite historical artist? What's your idea? Now, the one at Garfield, um, Kathy came to me, and she wanted to do a Garfield turtle because of the historical significance. And Nancy Lopez would be historical. Historical significance, too. Also. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you... Um, Thinking about uh, even 
going back to uh, uh, people like the first mayor or something like that as a dedicated has that been given any thought or nothing's out of the question certain person people who played a part in the growth of uh, it's Palm certainly Coast. a possibility absolutely if that's something the sponsor would like to promote it's up to the sponsor though, pretty much basically. okay okay mm -hmm. thank you you're welcome anyone else could you uh, briefly just let us know where the proceeds are going? I know, but... Uh, like I said, about 60%. Yeah, it costs about um, $1,300 for the turtle itself. Um, by the time you, we purchase it and get it shipped, it's enormously expensive to ship it from Nebraska. And um, so it comes from Nebraska. I give the artist a $400 stipend and I end up to $100 in painting supplies. And we pay for all the inter-transportation here. Um, I just partnered with Gibbs Chevrolet, so they're gonna start doing the clear coating for us as a partnering community free thing for us, so. Um, but yeah, about 60% of the expenses. And the stake, uh, the stake and the bronze plaque, that's another $500. You know, so it's pretty costly to put all this together. But about 60% goes towards the expenses themselves, and we reek about 40% of that for our fundraising goals. Well, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone else uh, have any comments, uh, questions for Nancy? I think, uh, you know, I, I think I remember when you first came to us with the idea of this, mm -hmm. some years ago it was, and you're showing these big turtles, and it was we were looking at it like, well, whatever happens, but well, we you can know, the see logger, that it's yeah. taken off. It, it has taken off, and the community has very much embraced this project. They love it. I just <laughs> got a call today saying, do you, "How many turtles do you have now?" I only see I only saw four. Mm -hmm. I go, "Well, there's seven, and there's three more coming up." So every and oh, the tourism office I should say is going to create a, a map for us. So they're going to create a map. I'm waiting until after the Nancy Lopez turtle is installed so we can get that one into the map. And there's even some talk, um, perhaps working with the county on a turtle trail trolley. Okay. So it might be a, well, that's great. a tour. <laughs> that, and Nancy Lopez, that's a nice one. She was here a lot in the early days. Mm -hmm. yeah. Of Palm Coast, so that would be a nice. Uh, Must be uh, nice in her sixties now. I believe she is. Sixties. Mm -hmm. Everyone's getting a little older, but uh, <laughs> feeling older. Anyway, uh, if uh, if anyone uh, doesn't have any further comments or questions, I, I think we can look at these. They look uh, great, and I think uh, they're a, a great. Uh, addition to our community as they all were, the arts, uh, uh, the, the concept of uh, the turtle as an artwork, uh, it's, it's really neat. Uh, I think it's something that we can look at. We discussed at our meeting of the Arts Commission about a, a program of art in public places. Mm -hmm. It's a nice thing to have. So uh, I think with that in mind, uh, I. Well, if we're going to vote, uh, will we be voting just for both of them? We'll just vote for both at once, uh, rather than one or and then the next. Uh, we have two uh, turtles to be placed, uh, so I uh, ask the the uh, committee uh, for a motion to uh, 
approve the uh, placement of the, the two next two uh, turtles. Okay. I move we uh, approve both turtles as stated by stated by. Okay, uh, the motion by Bob uh, to approve. Second. Second by Ed. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Well, no one opposed. It's unanimous. Turtles are approved. Thank you very much. Next step Please down come. the line. Please come to the unveilings. Yes. Very nice. Thank you very much, Nancy, for coming today. Okay. Now, why don't we head back to the old business, which is item uh, D on the agenda. And our first uh, item is, now that we have a full committee, it's the election of a vice chair to the Beautification and Environmental Advisory Committee. So I'd like to open that up to any uh, thoughts uh, of uh, nominees on the uh, on this item. Uh, do we? Is anybody else here from the public? I think this gentleman is here from the public. Are you here for a specific item, sir? Mr. Chairman, I'm here to discuss the canal issues. Okay, well, that we're uh, going to bring up uh, later on the agenda. That's under new business. Uh, do you? Do we want to just skip that up also, or? Why don't we do that and then? Yeah, let's do public first, and then. Go yeah, if you just want to. Skip the election of the chair and leave that to the end, and then just go to maybe item number three, and then um, because I think we also have no. participation for item number three. Right. Uh, maybe why don't we go? Why don't we do that next? Then why, why don't we just go to the item number three, which is Monarch Butterfly. And then we'll go uh, rather quickly. Actually, we can uh, get rid of both those items uh, rather quickly uh, as, well, not rather quickly on the Monarch Butterfly, but the Eagle in Flight. I, I just want to ask the group. Uh, we're jumping around, but let's then uh, uh, skip by the election of uh, D2 and go to D3, the Monarch Butterfly update. Is everybody good on that? Yes. Okay, we'll go through that. Now, uh, what, uh, what we're talking about is uh, the uh, garden for the monarch butterfly. And we've been trying to get together, and I, I've had very little luck with the uh, garden club as far as uh, uh, getting together with them and, and seeing what they would like to do with that. So I thought today what we could do is bring our master gardener, monarch butterfly Ed, expert, Mr. P.M. Reddy, and he could speak with us about a actual garden for the monarch butterfly. And so in that regard, uh, P.M., would you like to come up to the, uh, the podium and, and speak? Uh, uh, we have this, uh, he, he has laid out a wonderful uh, uh, actual 
actual monarch butterfly garden. And it's in the uh, shape of a square. But uh, what we spoke about that when we last discussed it was the uh, uh, rainbow garden, uh, which is out back here. Yes, correct? the rain garden. In, rain in garden. The rear of the okay, spot. where it would be. And it's a circular garden. Uh, uh, and now, PM, we can, it doesn't matter the shape. Right, right. So why don't we just let PM discuss with us what we were talking about as far as what this shape is and what these items are. And you can speak into that microphone. And it is on, correct? Uh, Hello. Yes. Yeah, recently I'd been to Miami and had a chance to visit to a lot of botanical gardens and also butterfly gardens. I didn't know what shape exactly fits into it. It's uh, individual's interest or the community interest. It could be a rectangular form or elliptical, circular, or rainbow shape, whatever shape you like, you know. Only thing we have to do is put some milkweed plants there and also nectar plants, you know, of different kinds, you know. And actually, any garden can be a butterfly garden once we introduce the milkweed, especially for monarchs, you know. And for other butterflies, there are different host plants, you know. So this brief sketch, you know, which I prepared uh, at a short notice, it's about 200 square feet. It could be any shape. And I proposed uh, four plants of three different milkweed species, you know. One was tuberosa, and the middle one is the incarnata, and the other one is the tropical. Generally, they don't recommend tropical, but uh, in the southern Florida, all the gardens I visited, like, you know, St. Lucie's, Port St. Lucie Botanical Garden, then Kampong Garden in Coral Gables, and Fairchild Tropical Garden, and also in Coral Gables, and also Miami Beach Botanical Garden. They're using tropical plants, tropical milkweed, you know. They say it's also native to Southern Florida. So I thought we add those four plants also in this scheme. And they would be okay here in our yes, area it, because it Miami's grow. a little different Yeah, yeah there is subtropical. some skepticism, but uh, it is there all over Florida. You know. Then I propose in this, you know, there are three vines, which is Passiflora, which is uh, host plant for uh, zebra longwing which is also is the native butterfly of Florida. You know. now is that, are they on, on here on this? Uh, yes, yes, they are. Okay. You see the corners? I said corners. Right, oh, yeah, Passiflora, yeah, yeah. Passiflora. Passiflora, I said. You know. I think they proposed three of them, you know. And locations can, you know, it's up to Beth, you know, whatever she likes, you know, whichever fits into the landscape, you know, that's your choice. You know. Some of the plants, as long as those plants are there, you're fine. Then I added two kuntis. You know, in the bottom side, two kuntis, uh, there not only looks pretty in the garden, plus it's a host plant for Atala butterfly, which is a very 
pretty looking butterfly, a small one, but pretty looking butterfly. I thought it should not be just for monarchs. Monarch is the primary. Then you could invite other butterflies and also the pollinators. Then I showed some different nectar plants in this. And again, you know, there is a choice. I gave a pamphlet on the 27 and also on the butterfly garden leaflet to Beth and on the last meeting also, I think all the members got it. And any plants can be used, you know, whatever individual choice. You know. With that, uh, I came up with something like we need about 55 plants. And uh, so the plants that you, you've listed down at the bottom are the ones that are all uh, right. spaced all out all in that, this uh, great uh, a diagram you have yeah. here. And then I, and I gave us some estimation. You know, it may not be correct, but I thought you know some idea you'll have how much financing damage you're going to do. You know get something better for us. So I, for 55 plants, said $10 is the average one gallon plant. You know, that should not be more than $10. You know. It varies between seven to 10. You know. So average should be 10, so it's $550. Then the bed that we prepare, you know, whether it is whatever shape it is, we should have some compost, you know, like stay green type. You know. We need maybe 10 bags about seven or eight dollars a bag, you know. So that should be about a hundred dollars. Then uh, I had on the one side, you know, where Just the vines are, the cassiflora, and also there's a climbing aster. They need some sort of fencing, or it could be a wooden fence, or it could be a, a steel fence, you know. Anything at all. Something do, we, do we really need fencing? Is that a requirement to have fencing? Well, fencing for the vines to grow on. Uh-huh. Do you need vines? Well, I, that, that's what uh, PM is, is, yeah, uh, is yeah, recommending. On one side, you know, where the vines are there. We don't have to cover the whole area, you know. Yes. Okay. But, but it doesn't have to be a metal fence. It could it be, be a, a wooden uh, yeah, right. kind of uh, fence that you see yeah, about, should, uh, about maybe three four feet. feet. Three feet height, that should three, be enough. Three, three, four three feet. to four feet. Yeah. Okay. That shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Then, you know, for the irrigation, you know, I prefer, personally, to go for drip irrigation, you know. Drip irrigation. Of, yeah, drip irrigation, which uh, should not be too costly compared to the sprinklers. And what the sprinklers does is, your it is prone for disease of the plant. You know, when mm -hmm. the water falls on the leaves, you know, it encourages the diseases to come up. You know. So drip irrigation is more effective and economical also. You know. Okay, well, uh, Beth, what type of uh, irrigation is out there now? Is it just the... We have, we have um, drip irrigation here at the city, um, at City Hall, so... Um, there are hookups there where a drip irrigation uh, system could be yeah. installed? Uh, that, uh, yeah, we could tie into the existing system. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be an issue. Okay. And uh, if you need some labor, I think uh, what you can do you know, with 
once you are convinced the type of plan you have, type of plants you want to get, some of the nurseries, you can contact them, they might give some discount. They might even come and plant those plants. Mm -hmm. That's what I was able to do during the short period. If any information that you need from me, I'm more than happy to provide the best that everyone. I try to have close touch with the best I think you can find. Okay. Because you want to make Palm Coast a beautiful city. Yes. And one other thing I would like to propose, uh, maybe out of my mind, Palm Coast should come up with a botanical garden, maybe about seven to eight acres. Um, see, botanical I visited this uh, old St. Louis's garden, you know. I was impressed. It's about 10 to 8, 8 to 10 acres, you know. It's a good uh, for the tourists to come and visit. And also it's a very good educational spot. Since we have got a community college here, and all the children can go, and all the school children, you know, they can volunteer, you know, and we propose one or two credits uh, for one semester of any group that works there, you know. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's a great idea for a concept to go forward with, a botanical garden, some type of garden. Uh, so what what do we have here as a total cost for what you're saying, uh, right PM? Corner. I came up with what about thousand ninety dollars. Thousand ninety dollars. Ninety dollars. Thousand ninety dollars. That that seems a like a a well, it's a reasonable figure. Uh, I think it, it uh, could be maybe seven fifty because once you work with the, some of these nurseries, you know, they might give you some discounts. I didn't have time to contact anybody and... Uh... Well, you know, the, the city now, when we had, uh, in the past, uh, we talked about uh, landscaping and uh, th there was a budget in the, the city, uh, the city had as a budget for landscaping, uh, like, for example, along the roadways, like Beltaire, and I know the, the community center uh, was laid out just wonderfully with is there any chance of having any, I mean, this is not a, a, an outrageous amount. Could, uh, could we uh, ask the city to uh, uh, chip in uh, for something like this, Beth? Um, what, would, what would have to happen is I would, um, if you want to vote on approval of this, I would need to take it to the parks team um, and it would become a discussion with them. Um, and then it, um, it would have to be a discussion with the parks team. Um, the issue is the funding is, um, for the most part, you know, slated for certain things. Right. Um, so um, there's not always, you know, um, a lot of room for unknowns. Um, but that's right. not to say it, it couldn't be something that potentially, you know, was worked in in the future. Um, but I think the first step is um, presenting this to the parks team and... Do they, um, have, a, does the, do they have a discretionary item in their budget? Uh, um, so it's, there's no 
parks team budget. Um, so it's, and you might be able to speak on this a little bit better maybe, but um, um, it's dependent upon, um, you know, public works has their, they have a certain amount allotted for um, kind of replacements of things that have, you know, either been um, kind of taken out by a vehicle or that needs to be replaced or things that um, have died. Um, and um, they, they've kind of budgeted for, for a known um, from previous years. Well, so. Can I ask you if, if uh, can I <coughs> do something? Wait a second. Go ahead, Ian. I, I think I sent you an email you know, from Wildflower Foundation, Florida Wildflower Foundation. Yes. Yes. They, they have some money which they can grant, you know, up to $3,000 at a time. If we present it to them, the project we have, yeah. and what we want to do, they'll be more than happy to... Florida Wildflower Foundation. What? Florida Wildflower Foundation. I think I, I will send you that. Uh, well, that's, that's a, that would be... They, they work very closely with the... There's the source of possible funding. That would be a source, possible right. funding right. source. Right, funding source. Yes. They're quite helpful. I think the University of Florida is involved with them. They work very closely with the University of Florida. All the brochures oh. which I distributed there. The University of Florida. Beth and I, University of Florida graduate. I'm yeah. a 25-year member of the university. Right. And in fact, uh, we should all be a member of Florida Wildflower Foundation. I'll give you some prompts. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we should, in general, approve this plan and send it to the parks people. And then from there, we can think about how to fund it. And we can also ask the garden club if some of the members have some of these plants that would defray the cost overall. I know I have a couple of milkweeds and a kunti here and there. So perhaps that would be a beginning. I have a question. Who's, yes, Robert. Who, who's holding this? So... The original plan was kind of the partnership with the Garden Club um, and that the Garden Club was going to um, kind of invest in the maintenance of the butterfly gardens. Um, that is a concern um, because um, Public Works, you know, they are somewhat stretched with, you know, what they are currently maintained and if we're kind of creating a more intensive site um, as far as maintenance, we would, you know, need to encourage some community involvement and some community maintenance of, of the butterfly gardens. So um, some potential, you know, if, if we can't, you know, garner interest with, you know, um, various garden clubs, um, you know, community buying, public awareness, um, public involvement, I think, is um, necessary um, for the maintenance of these um, areas. Okay, so that would be another item then that we would have to kind of fill in the blanks on is the uh, the maintenance, maintenance of the uh, 
of the of the garden. So we're talking about the parks and recreation, looking at this and, and letting this be our idea. The next item would be the funding, and then we would have to go with how how it would be maintained. Sounds pretty good. Is that where we're is that what we think? Uh, yep. Is what is the steps yes. involved? Uh, the parks and rec. I want to just make sure we have that, and then the funding and the maintenance. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, uh, what do we think about this group? I think we should make a motion to. Uh, well, I make a motion that we send this plan to the parks people for their opinion. Second. Okay. Well, we have a motion uh, for discussion. Uh, discussion? Uh, yes. Just well, motion. By Glenn, seconded by Bob. Uh, is there any discussion of the motion? Uh, yes. Don't we want to approve this uh, the way it is here, instead of just sending it to them for their? Uh, well, why don't? We, that's I thought what he meant by sending mean, it was Bob? approval of what we yes, had just okay. spoken. Yes. Okay. Okay. That everyone agreed to that. Yes. Okay. We had a motion. It's been seconded. Uh, why don't we vote on it? All those in favor of uh, sending this to the Parks and Rec as we had. Discussed it. Okay. We have a I and then what is the a yay? Oh, yay! I thought it was a nay. <laughs> okay, uh, we have a unanimous vote for that. So uh, let's thank Mr. P.M. Ready, and if we could ask you to uh, help continue to help us uh, as we go through this process as a technical advisor as you have and this is this is just wonderful and your the information that you sent in wonderful and maybe we could uh, call on you to help us if we are going forward with any grant uh, proposals uh, to make sure that we have it most positively with your expertise on board uh, it should be no difficulty uh, getting some kind of funding happy to cooperate in that direction and we should uh, go a little more broader, not only just uh, <laughs> stick only to the butterfly garden and small yes. one. I think all the landscapes and gardens, you know, we should think about always pollinators, bees, butterflies. So every yes, it's a good idea. space, you know, wherever you put some plants, you know, we should have some flowers and milkweed, you know. That's what I saw in Miami Gardens, you know. <laughs> so well, there are mango trees, all around the mango trees, you have the yes. milkweed, you know. Yeah. Not only one place, throughout the garden, you know. Yes, I, I'm familiar with those yeah. gardens. We would hope so. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't we do that? And also your thought of uh, a botanical garden is something for perhaps down the should, road, which uh, we should, we should we very, very well uh, talk to move it. forward with it. That we should give that. Okay. Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that's uh, that's item uh, number three uh, on old business. Uh, now, uh, where are we going to go? <laughs> Discussion of eagle in flight. Do we want to talk just for uh, briefly about the eagle in flight? What I wanted to ask to everyone. That's item number number four on old business, and this is. Were you there that night? Yes, you were. That's right, uh, and we haven't uh, uh, thought about that. But what I what I'd like to think, uh, I'd like to ask the group to maybe think about it 
now and uh, some locations that we could run by Beth for next month. We had the two locations presented, which were the second floor of City Hall here and a fire station. Is that correct, uh, Beth? Yes, um, and with the idea that um, it would potentially move to um, Long Creek if um, and when the facility um, is created at that site. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's a good idea then. What? Uh, so we would... Well, what, what does the group think? What's the discussion Would you repeat here? that second site? What is it? So the discussion was um, upstairs on the second floor at City Hall. The other was um, Fire Station 25. And where is that located? That's going to be built? No, that is existing. It's um, on Beltaire. Right by the oh. uh, tennis, uh, oh, tennis center. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the end location for it would be at Long, Long Creek. And that, and that is when uh, a, a structure... When the facility is um, eventually um, built out at, at Like a site. visitor center or something at Long Creek? Is that the plan? A nature, nature center. center. Oh, that would be mm -hmm. wonderful. Long Creek, is that the name of it? Long yes. Creek Nature Center. Where, where Tiff the Turtle... Now it's on... Uh, uh, it's off of, uh, what is that, Palm Harbor? Palm Harbor. Palm Harbor, right. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's very, well, the, the turtle is there, uh, Tiff. Yes. Anyway, uh, okay, well, I like that idea. Group, uh, what's a further discussion? But I, thought, I thought we said that the eagle couldn't be outside. No, it would couldn't be inside be, oh, the a facility. Okay, it's a nature center they're going to build. It's a building. Enclosed. Yes. Palm okay. And for now, it'll be upstairs here or at the firehouse yes what do we what do we think about that where would we where do we think we'd like to because i'd like to get back with uh mr wallace the artist uh he he, he said he he's got it in his bedroom and he he wants uh wants it to be someplace else uh there a window up there where it would be in this building so it'd basically be in the um the hallway upstairs so as you know, anybody visiting City Hall, they would see it first thing up in the hallway, yes. I think that's a better location than the firehouse. I just can't picture people running to the firehouse okay. on, a, on a regular basis unless there was a fire. City Hall than it would be at the firehouse. Okay. I like it at City Hall okay. and then the eventual location at, at, at Long Creek. At Long Creek, uh, I like that idea too. Uh, why don't we Why don't we go ahead with uh, and, and uh, Why don't we make a motion that we uh, approve of the uh, present location of the Eagle in Flight uh, uh, sculpture on the second floor of City Hall, with the idea that eventually it will go to the Long Creek Nature Preserve when the the building is uh, is finished. So moved. Is it, okay, <laughs> we have a second by Ed uh, and a motion by uh, Glenn. Uh, so, uh, any discussion? Further discussion? Okay, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, the motion carries uh, unanimously. Okay, we're done with that. Let's go on to the the next item. Let's just hit them all real quickly, if you don't mind, sir. Uh, we have. 
one more item of old business, the election of our uh, vice chair, which should be very quick uh, also. Well, we can do it after him. Okay. No, you're, we, we usually like the public to not have to wade through silly stuff up here and go ahead. Okay. That's fine with me. Now, why don't we go to next then to uh, the PowerPoint presentation on uh, what I'm just calling freshwater canal pollution. Okay, what I, uh, I'm going to run through this and then we'll have a discussion. Uh, I, I've been thinking about this for a while and it's, uh, if you look at some of the canals sometime, you can see why. So I, I you know, wanted to state what I uh, gathered from the information. There are 58 miles of freshwater canals we're talking about in Palm Coast. That is the natural canals, it's not the saltwater bulkheaded canals, we're talking about freshwater. And uh, most of these uh, canals are uh, bordered by, by homes, uh, uh, and these are waterfront lots, so they are premium lots. Okay, next. Uh, but one thing that uh, is uh, clear is that the area bordering the canal at the rear of the lot is not part of the homeowner's property. This land is a right-of-way or an easement that is owned by the city. This is an example of the property lines as uh, described by the property appraiser's website showing, if you see on the left side, you can see that the rear of the property line does not go all the way to the water's edge. This is the canal in the middle, and the, the homes on the other side, this is a different situation. That's my home right there, so I'm very familiar with it uh, on Birchwood. But uh, I'm speaking of, well, these, uh, because of the cul-de-sac, this is a larger area, but most of the homes just line up one by one, as you can see on the left-hand side, with this area that is the easement that's owned by the city. Everybody get that? So uh, what I say next is that at present, this easement area is not cleared in any initial lot clearing by the home builder. They the survey stakes out the, the land, just as you saw on the previous uh, uh, slide, uh, with flagging, and they bring it on in and they clear everything except for that easement area. Now, this is where we get into the uh, gray area, I think, where I state apparently the homeowner can remove all vegetation on this easement area except for any larger trees. In many cases, then, the homeowner sods this easement, and it becomes part of their backyard. Okay? This is a, a, a brand new home that I, uh, going in, that I took a photograph of, as you can see, uh, on the 18th. Uh, and uh, it, it was, this was, this is after they, the homeowner had come in themselves or hired someone. The initial lot was cleared probably right about 
back to the palm tree. This is the rear of the lot, on the canal, and the lot, the home is going to the right of that palm tree that's a little off-center there, if we can see it. But that was approximately where the rear of the property line was. The rest of this is land that's owned by the city. So we can go to the next one. This is another shot showing the home going in. And if we look beyond the homeowner's property, we can see straight down as you go uh, by the water, that is what it looked like and what the next lot, which is not developed, looks like now at present. But this is approximately what it looked like in this area prior to it being cleared. And I think I have one more taken from a distance. It's the same way. To the left is what it looked like before to uh, the actual property line and the home is all area that the homeowner either hired someone else to clear or did it themselves by leaving the trees in. Okay. Now, this is another picture taken of the same canal on the left-hand side. These are homes that have been there for many years. And it, what it shows is that the uh, lots are grassed pretty much down to the water's edge. Okay, we can go to the next lot. And then this is what vegetation is present in the uncleared lots. Understory and... and uh, one notation I'd like everybody to look at, if you look straight down the canal, you can see an area this homeowner did not clear the easement. If you look straight down uh, the line there, you can see this area where it's, there's quite a bit of vegetation. That homeowner didn't clear the easement. And in the next picture, okay. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to, to bring forth. But now I go into what the pollution sources are. A possible source that may be sewerage leaking from some of the older pipes. It may be, it may not be. The runoff of that. Sometimes when we have a storm, major storm or a hurricane, and the swales are full, there may be some leakage of these older pipes that may run into the canals. Next is trash. And this I'm just speaking of people driving by, throwing something out the, the window. You have tires in there. You have uh, uh, lots of uh, garbage is deposited, unfortunately, and that ends up in the canals. The next item is the pesticides. And these are from the yard themselves, hiring someone or doing it themselves, coming in and spraying. And also some of the swales and the ditch spraying that the city is going on with right now with our uh, uh, canal and, and uh, 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 stormwater maintenance programs. Uh, so that can go in. Next is lawn mowing and yard waste from the homes that border the canals. And then the third is the yard lawn fertilizer. So yards are, are the lawn is fertilized and rains and this runs in. The three items at, at the bottom, the pesticides, the lawn mowing, the, the lawn and yard waste, and the fertilizer. They're the items with the fertilizer being the one that's most concerning to me because we can go to the next one of the algae. The, the, and, the, and the muck 
that is created. The pesticides will go in the water. Pesticides kill pests. Bugs are pests. The bugs in the water, uh, they may die. The, and, and they sink to the bottom and form part of this a muck bed that would be at the bottom. And the same with the lawn uh, clippings. Uh, it goes in and they decompose. And as they be decompose, they pull oxygen out of the water. And the worst, though, is the fertilizer that goes in from the yards directly into the canals, which fuels the growth of green plants, the lawns, and, and also the red algae would be that photosynthesize. And uh, so this is that same canal taken uh, uh, on uh, some years back. And as you can see, it's pretty clear, except there is some algae growth on both sides. Next, though, we have, okay, Okay, this is what I, I guess I got a little ahead. Uh, pesticide runoff, it has the same effect as on land. Bugs, aquatic life is killed and decomposes on the canal bed. Yard waste, grass clippings also dies and adds to this muck sediment bed. Fertilizer runoff, as I said, stimulates the growth of green plants like algae that overgrow while using up all the fertilizer. Once they use it up, they die, and that then removes the oxygen from the canal. Now we see a canal, the same canal, taken in October with a just a total overgrowth of uh, algae. Now, the city has programs to take care of this. The next, and I hear them from my backyard, it's very noisy, that's a Lycoming aircraft engine on the back of those airboats. So it's a bit noisy. Working at Everglades Park, we rode in airboats. We had earplugs while we were uh, riding down the trails uh, in the, uh, the uh, Everglades Park. But the, the airboats come in, in this instance, they come in and they dislodge the algal uh, growth and so that some will flow off. Or otherwise... The next step, and we do have these. I don't know. Is this a city property, or do we rent these, or uh, do we know about that? Uh, what the scoopers are that we have? I know I see them out there. Uh, uh, Denise Bevan here. My understanding is that we contract that work out for okay. the maintenance. Okay. Anyway, that that's what this is. This is a scooper that comes in and. Uh, and scoops up uh, the algae from the canals. So the next uh, slide is an overhead picture that I made using my version of PowerPoint and the, uh, the, uh, the uh, diagrams that I could, uh, could get going. So this is what I, uh, a lot. And on the left is the canal. On the right is the street. Now, I don't know if many of you know that uh, there is the city has a right-of-way on the front of our uh, property. And it's usually, it's the swale. It usually goes back from the center of the street a distance onto our property in front, and it's about where the telephone pole uh, starts, I would say. Isn't that correct, uh, pretty much? Anyway, that's not important to the discussion here. But we look, this is a home and a lot on a canal. This is the rear of the property line, if you see that. And then the rest of that area is the easement. 
So let's go to the next uh, slide. It's a side view uh, of what I was just talking about. And depending on the size of your lot and the size of your home, uh, this is the rear of the property line. Uh, that's the homeowner's property. Then the area from that property line to the actual water's edge is the easement. So let's go to the next. So now I just proposed possible solutions to the nutrient overload. And this is to identify an area that the homeowner cannot clear of the city easement property. Uh, because even in our comprehensive plan, we call for in chapter 6, policy 6.1.6.6b calls for native vegetation buffers between lawns and water bodies. So with that in mind, I thought, and this is also uh, in uh, our uh, codes uh, and, and, and uh, on uh, uh, chapter four, 24 of the environment in our, some of our city codes and ordinances. So I was looking up. So what I said here was the simplest area would be the, I misspelled the, my spelling, spell check is tough on my version of PowerPoint, but uh, the slope down to the canal water's edge. So let's go to the next slide. And this is what I was talking about. Everything is the same as what we looked at before, except that for the easement, I have it divided up into two parcels. One is the uh, area straight back to the slope of the canal, and the next is the slope to the canal's edge. The next uh, slide, and this points it out even more, is that from the slope downward, it should be left in the native vegetation. So this is the property line. The homeowner has the ability, as they do now, to take out this rest of this property uh, to put in the lawn, but leave the slope to the water's edge as natural uh, vegetation to filter some of these pollutants that are going into the uh, directly into the canals. So uh, I think with that in mind, so what I made was a proposal for discussion with the group that we, a city code, that all freshwater canal waterfront lots leave the slope of the canal uncleared to reduce or prevent yard waste, pesticides, and fertilizers from entering the canal. So that's my proposal. That's my PowerPoint. I'd like to take the time now to open it up to discussion by uh, our group and uh, by any members of the public in uh, open it up to the uh, committee uh, and possibly our, any uh, our city uh, folks at this time and see what you all think. Anybody have any <coughs> thoughts on this? You want to think about it a little bit? I, do, I, I have a thought, but I'm not quite sure. Are you saying that you don't want the city to clean that area? I mean, I know you don't want the... The city home. doesn't clean that area. The city comes through mine, my canal. Oh, the, the canal, yeah, the water. But they take down all the ferns on the land. Okay, So that's well, why I'm asking, are you... 
Well, I think they would probably do what they, they would do normally, uh, which okay. would probably be that. I guess what I was speaking of, the area that goes up, okay. that's grassed in, that if we look at the one... Why don't we go back to the picture of the finished product, if we could, Beth? That's back a ways. And then you explain to me what happens. So you live on on one of these canals. I do. Okay. But uh, it's not a big keep canal. Keep going, it's keep small. going. Go, go, go next. There. This. So what you're saying is that... Like I have ferns on okay. the bottom. That were natural. I obviously didn't put them there. And okay, when they so... they clean it, they clean it all out. They just come right down the grant the, the 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 from the water not no they come on the land part come on the land part on the land part and go straight down well they don't do that in these these locations yeah that's why i was asking you are you referring to i i don't know i i'm not referring to homeowners or the city that i was just confused as far as cleaning it out after this? Yeah. Well, what I was on thinking, I was going by what this is here and what is shown in the uh, undeveloped lots, okay. that they that would be left. So if you have from, I, I, now I'm not, your, your situation must be a little different than these. Okay, now I'm confused. That's why I'm speaking out. Uh, okay. I'm Does the city I'm, remove the ferns uh, physically, or do they spray? They don't spray. It's a machine. Okay. But it just cuts them. It doesn't pull them out, though. No, it doesn't pull them out, but it just, there's nothing left all the way down. I'm on a canal, and they, I have a few, I don't have many ferns, but they don't do anything to them. They just herbicide the canal, and of course the herbicide strays yeah. Yeah, they don't do a that. bit. No, I'm, I was just I was just a little confused. You, you, were. you would mean you would mean both then. I would assume that the slope remain yeah natural, and they would not remove ferns. The well, city would not. Right. Now, are these ferns that you planted? No, these no, are natural, natural ferns. Okay. Well, I what I wonder what would be the. What is the reason for uh, that? That uh, them doing that. Uh, uh. So Are you familiar with that, Denise? Are you? I'm a little bit. Um, so, kind of back up on the question. So we have our stormwater network is uh, a combination of different features. So you have your saltwater canals, your freshwater canals, and then uh, your ditches. Some are major, some are minor, and then your swales. So for me, I. Uh, rent a home that backs up to Pine Lakes Parkway and I have a pretty significant ditch that runs on the back side of my property and parallels Pine Lakes and the beautiful path that also aligns with Pine Lakes Parkway. Um, can't remember the date but I do remember the maintenance that was associated with that ditch um, that does hold a lot of water and um, I don't know if it was done by our staff or a contractor but the maintenance included dredging out that ditch, refining the contours, make it function better because you do accumulate sediment and things like that and deadfall of vegetation. And what they do is um, when they excavate it and try to recontour it, they actually put that material on the side slopes and um, that actually suppresses some of the growth. It just depends on the location and if they can remove the material or not. 
So I don't know if you live adjacent to a significant ditch versus what you're illustrating up here as a freshwater canal, which take different uh, approaches to the maintenance challenges uh, depending on where it's at. Yeah, because I, I know for these, for a fact, they do not do uh, any, any treatments uh, of, of these except for perhaps uh, uh, what I was talking about, the airboat line. I don't recall any spraying, uh, uh, any any system like that. Do you have a canal? I uh, live on a canal, something like this. Sir? I live on a canal because my property borders uh, a golf course. So on both sides of the canal, it's wooded. So the uh, the canal fills up with algae, just like you showed here, and every so often the the boat comes up and it sprays to kill the vegetation. Once, the boat came up and scooped, as you said, Denise, and I understand that's a plan that's supposed to happen again shortly in my area. I'm, I'm not familiar with all the maintenance scheduling. Um, I do work with the professionals uh, from a floodplain management perspective. And there are a lot of things in motion, even to the point of doing dredging in the freshwater canals to um, heighten the performance of the system. Right. Uh, so when we're speaking of this area compared to another area versus another area, I think it's unique depending on what the function is versus what the maintenance challenges are. And another, uh, right along this line, uh, your diagram was, you know, was nicely done everything. However, the slope is not always terribly clear. You know, we have a, in, in my situation, I have my property and it generally slopes down to the water's edge. The gentle slope. You know, generally. and I know how many feet I have on my property, but I also know that the slope is not all of a sudden a slope. It's very gradual. Yeah, gradual. Um, is there a distance that, is there a, a specific uh, distance of the city easement from the water's edge? Are you familiar with that? I, I'm not aware. I think it's um, basically dependent upon the specific canal, um, how much um, specific canal. Yeah, um, easement we have. But I'm, I can look into it with the, the stormwater division. Well, my, my concern, though, is with the, the uh, pollution and the uh, algal, algae growth that uh, uh, really chokes off any kind of life in the, uh, in the canal. So that's what I'm thinking about, and this was one uh, way of, uh, of, uh, of, of trying to put something in place that would uh, reduce the amount of pollutants that are going into. I like the idea of having a, a regulation sod within 10 feet of the canal. That's, and that's, that way, that's an idea also. 10 feet isn't bad. And that's an idea. Some distance up from the water's edge. Right. And just, just a set distance, whether it's slope or not. You're saying if it's a gradual right. slope. Right. Yeah. I, 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 well, that's an idea. We could think about that. Uh, this, have, this was a discussion. Uh, I know there's houses 
near me that people who have owned those homes or currently own the homes have sodded right to the water's edge. Yes. Great for this the alligators home is to be... do some sunning, <laughs> but in my situation, I didn't do they're that, there. and they're not in, they don't like to come up through the trees. <laughs> I want sun as close to the water's edge as possible. I do have one suggestion because your your water is an unknown changing element um, potentially. Your property line is not. So um, when you're speaking kind of a known distance, I would use the frame of reference um, of the property line. That's yes. a good point. Yes. Um, yes. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good that. one. A water distance will vary right. as, as uh, time and temperature and whatever Plus the else. City, the city decides to lower the canals, too. Right, right. Yeah. Right, they have or, done that. Or if we go through a drought, then the water level is going to be at a different distance. Yes. And so Beth is that's correct good, there. Uh, well, that's that's something we could think about. I, I, this is good. Uh, this is good. Uh, now, I'm, I'm concerned with what you were speaking of, Denise, about the dredging. This is a, you know, they, these canals have been there for a long time. And in a, in a canal that moves pretty slow, there is sometimes significant um, kind of a muck uh, of base yeah. buildup in those beds. So what's, uh, what do, what do are, is that a thought? Because that would uh, be a major uh, endeavor, I think, for uh, us to go through. And again, not speaking on behalf of the stormwater engineering department, just being involved in some discussions um, with the maintenance program, is that to this point, these canals are very old. Um, they do have a, a expected buildup of sediment that has become muck. Um, and the performance of basically the canal has been diminished diminished a little bit because muck doesn't allow the percolation up and down in the groundwater table. And of course that captures nutrients and things like that. So uh, just one of the many proposals and options that we're um, looking at from an overall maintenance program, of course, uh, which has been heightened in recent years because of uh, of course, experiencing a couple hurricanes and recognizing that we need to accelerate our maintenance programs. So that's just one of many things that's being discussed and integrated in some of the programs that we're moving forward on. Well, that's a, a good idea. Well, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we think about this a little bit? Maybe let this uh, and and come back again next month. Uh, and, uh, and, and talk about it again. Uh, uh, everybody get some ideas on this and maybe we could speak about it again, get some more information uh, on, on what we would want to do and how we could go about doing it. And to that point, um, I work with Beth um, because of my role with floodplain management and maybe get a better understanding about the maintenance program and maybe invite yes. staff from the actual stormwater department. Yes, and, and the programs that are done for example, with Robbins, uh, where they bring in a machine in the backyard. I, I, I haven't had that uh, ever. So maybe we could do that and figure out like what 
what's the size limit or what's the reason why they do that with yours but not with, say, this one here, ever? Uh, these, the larger canals, that kind of thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll invite the appropriate staff to the next meeting. Um, okay, let's do that. Okay, we all good with that as members of the committee? Sir, why don't you come up to the podium? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And uh, uh, state your name. Uh, oh, business cards. Okay, pass them down. My name is Paul Pritchard. I live at Tin Craft Court. I've been a, I don't know what long-term resident of the community is, but I live on a saltwater canal. Okay. Uh, but the fact that you all are discussing the freshwater canals, I want to applaud your vision in dealing with this issue because having lived in Port St. Lucie and some other areas, the canals are basically filled in. Uh, this nutrient continues and continues, and eventually there's nothing of any real. So it's, I think, a high priority, not just from the standpoint of the value of the property, but also because of the storm management uh, and should be a higher priority. Let me be specific about the saltwater canal area. Um, there are six issues that I would suggest that maybe it's time to broaden the scope of your study or to have a separate study on the saltwater canals. Uh, one of them is there seem to be no guidelines to the uh, uh, yard services that have all these pesticides, herbicides, all these things. Um, we have unlimited uh, numbers and, and types of delivery uh, in on the lots in our area. Uh, sir, may I interrupt you for a second? Yes, sir. Uh, the saltwater canal, that's bulkheaded. Yes. Not a, not a you have a bulkhead. All no, of not us, all of them. That is correct also. Not all of them. Not all saltwater canals have bulkheads. But, but they are more and more being overrun by spring floods, and so the issue of any sort of Stoppage by the which I assume you're implying it doesn't really relate, and also rainwater goes right over the salt the uh, seawalls. Okay. Um, okay. So, in, in fact, most of us are constantly fighting an erosion of soil on the backside and filling in because water gets down behind those behind the, the bulk, yes, bulkhead and, and, and erodes that, yes, sir. Oh, that's right, okay, Ooh, um, and that 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 soil goes right into the canal too to the fill soil, it in. The soil, the pollutants. Yep, um, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, a second so, issue is, is that I wanted to mention was in fact what you just mentioned. Uh, you're jumping ahead of me, sir. Uh, the seawalls themselves are in terrible shape. As a general rule, there is no standard, no requirement. There's been talk about some standards or whatever, uh, but it was met with a lot of opposition because it seemed to be in order to attacks no plan was discussed with the community it was just sort of dropped on the community but it is important to uh, look at that the third issue is the trees on the lots now, we when we bought our home we're under a clear understanding that I think it's six inches or four inch girth or whatever when you see 
I, in, our, in the last year, we've had four lots of the remaining 10 in our view shed developed. Every tree, everything is scraped off of those lots. There is not one tree left, and I'd be happy to point that out to anyone who'd like to come by and see it, but the, the, the trees themselves have no protection. Um, uh, and we also have, we used to have a rule that only black chain link fence could be used if you had pets, uh, and that was strictly enforced. Now there are white plastic um, fencing six foot, so forth, going up left and right, and no enforcing. So the beauty of the openness of the canal is being lost by all these uh, uh, oh boy, separation. That's an issue. Wow, and so so uh, sounds like code enforcement, doesn't it? I'm sure it does. Well, I'm but sure I think uh, 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 you know a, a uh, like a vinyl uh, stockade or a shadow box uh, type of fence. These are they're approved, they're, right, Beth? Right. That, it's my understanding, yes, that that those type of um, fences that's, that's are on the allowed. List. The, the chain link is the the, the thing was the. They one time they were you you didn't have any restriction on the black people. You had a chain link like it was around you know a, a business or something was uh, what folks had in their in their yards. So they yeah. went to the the colored chain link fence. But the uh, I mean the the vinyl is probably as popular if not more so than uh, a wooden. Fence. But, but you you would be opposed, and what you're saying is even. A wooden fence that would be of that six-foot height, because it would diminish, as you say, the 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 view of the uh, the canal that you would be looking at uh, all of from us your who home. Were there before? Yes. Uh, the black chain length meant was logical because it allows you to keep your pet in an area. We have a right. a smaller area. You don't even notice it when we're coming up the canal in our boat or whatever. Um, but there is a, an area, but the white uh, plastic six-foot ice fences are an abomination. And uh, there have been some complaints to the department, and they've said, um, you know, nothing can be done about it. Yeah. Uh, I think from a beautification standpoint, you know, this is, mm -hmm. like your homes, one of the most important tax value areas in Palm Coast and one of the most appealing areas. And... It is being lost as we sit here uh, because of lack of attention. The last, Ooh. because of the of the uh, uh, lack of dredging, also there's, as far as I know, there has never been any dredging in the canal, or at least in the recent future. And more and more, the canals, because of that soil and all the other elements, uh, are filling in. All of us have little. We're told, oh, well, you just act, don't say anything. Just have somebody come out and they'll, they'll, they'll dredge it for you, or run your boat real hard as you go into your your uh, boathouse, and that'll kick some of it out. That's not a solution. That's a so, sir. When you're riding in your boat into your, you're actually, your motor is is going along the hitting the muck. If, if we're not careful in in a, uh, a low tide. Yeah. We will have that problem, and there's some boats that can't get out at all. Some of the larger boats, oh my um, goodness! Because the irony is, the bridge at the marina only goes up so high, and they have to get the water uh, 
tied low enough for them to be able to get between those two things. But of course, when you have the, the soil, I mean, they, they right. bottom uh, filling up pretty soon, you're going to lose value for those homes and the tax base that it produces. Mr. Chairman, I, I'm running against my three minutes, so I want to be sure. You don't, you don't do that. You don't, you don't slap my hand. Go ahead. Your, continue well, on. Well, my, my recommendation, I just, yes. uh, I just want to say first, I want to applaud your vision for having this on the agenda. Yeah. When I saw that, I thought, just as a private citizen, even though I've had a lot of experience in this area, I, I, as a private citizen and as a resident, I would encourage you to either expand your study, because I think that was very insightful. I mean, many of the same issues that we're dealing with are, are, are the issues that you're talking about with the, with the freshwater areas. And Sounds secondly, like it. if, if it's not expanded, then to consider having a separate study that deals with the condition uh, and, and the well-being of these areas. People are now, as a, as a rule, building their homes right up to the edge of the seawall. And so when you go up these large three-story houses that are replacing single-story houses or vacant lots are being built. Uh, the fellow across the street from me, he has less than three feet between the seawall and the wall that is for his pool area. Oh, um, I thought there was a five-foot rear uh, a property line from uh, any structure. It, it, uh, that, uh, I, I'm not. I would have to follow up with um, zoning um, to confirm. Well, uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds to me like there's that it is an issue, and, and my goodness, this uh, the erosion of the uh, the seawall sort of itself and the the filling in. This is a well. This is something that I think we should then. Uh, I would make look at it. Make I would, recommendations to the city planning. I would yes, be, I would be so more than happy night. to take you. I have a deck, twenty-four foot boat. I'd be happy if you came over and we just went up and down the canals. And I think you could see very clearly the problem of the declining quality of the canals, and they are such a special feature. Those yes, um, those uh, the saltwater canals. So. And I'm, I'm sure the health of the canal also is must be suffering uh, it, it, it for true. any kind of marine life or anything that's, that's along there. That is correct. That's uh, from an environmental standpoint. That's us also. We, uh, in just the time I've been there, we've been told at one point, oh, you could fish and there was no problem. And now people say, don't eat any of the fish. Um, we used to have dolphins coming and going in that area. I see them maybe once or twice a year now. So you're a, you're you're a long term. You've lived there for a, a quite a few. Right. How, how long have you? Oh, lived I've been in and out for about ten years. So mm -hmm. I'm, you know, but uh, moved permanently down. Yeah. About eight well, years. So or, originally well. ITT put those, uh, dug those canals and put those bulkheads yes, up sir. there way back in the seventies. But I'm wondering why there hasn't been uh, some maintenance of those things over the years. I, you know, I there has. That. Has there it, been any uh, it, it, lately? Uh, the seawalls, yeah, those are the responsibility of the property owner. Oh. Oh. And you so. Yeah. Okay, and well, that's, that's... That's why you, we'll, yeah, I, I can almost assure you, every at least every fifth house, the wall is eroded, the soil is coming through those areas. Uh, 
people have tried all sorts of solutions. Trying to get water to flow uphill is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> you know, things like that. And, uh, oh boy, they're going to be trying for a long time with that. Coming from their house gutter up here down <laughs> through a tube and then up over the seawall, which of course it doesn't oh. uh, doesn't flow. So it's like uh, code enforcement. But it is, it's also a beautification issue, and it's also a broad issue that is more than just code enforcement. Uh, I think if the committee... Well, what would be code enforcement? Because uh, uh, if the code, I mean, if the building, if the home is going in, uh, the correct distance from uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the seawall... But wait a second. Is there, and there's no city easement on the saltwater canals. No. Correct? But if the homeowner is minute, responsible for taking care of the seawall and they don't, that would be a, a code enforcement issue. Is it? That is correct. If it's a failing seawall um, that's causing adverse effects, then um, that's a water of the city and that's where the code of ordinances kick in. However, I have to um, state that we do not have means of observation from the waterway. So the, the city has not been through the canal areas, and I'm sure, but I'm talking about a number of issues that are yes. more than just the seawall. Sure, yes, I hear uh, them. It's, we, we it's have trees, them down. It's, the, it's the, the guidelines. I yep. believe this is a some type some of guideline, some sort of special zone in terms of the uh, the, the water quality issues, the uh, uh, plantings, even the fencing. I would encourage this uh, committee to consider that as I, I think that's action. a good idea for us to do. What, what, what do we think? Uh, yeah, anybody? Sure. Okay. I think maybe we could expand it to the, uh, the, the salt water, but I, I, I thank you for being here well, thank you, to sir. bring this up as an issue. I'm driving down and I, from a, from a distance I'm seeing a nice, there it looks, everything looks fine from, from that distance, but, uh, so, but as I live very close to as I said, one of my my home was in that wooded area right. that borders the canal, uh, and so I'm very familiar with the freshwater uh, canals. I pass by them in our area all the time. Well, there are a number of issues um, that are parallel. Well, us, and I uh, just I, they sure is. I would encourage you to, to to broaden the scope of your purview because I think there are beautification issues as a minimum. Um, Code enforcement, trees, yes. nutrient, so forth. It's all environmental and beautification. That's us. Okay. Uh, I, be, I assume I, uh, well, I'll let you all get back to your business. Well, I, I, before you, yeah. you go, I think... Uh, thank you for your patience. We thank you for your uh, sitting through all this, but I, I'm glad that you have commented, and uh, perhaps we could expand our... Uh, our uh, this item uh, a little bit more for uh, the saltwater canals to add that uh, uh, for uh, next month or uh, going forward in the future and if we may uh, we have your card uh, we could call on you uh, for some information and perhaps that ride in the boat to to take a look I at would, uh, I would encourage you to what do we've that got. and uh, I'd be happy to put together some photos for a powerpoint if that would serve the well, yeah, let's, Just let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, we, I don't think we need a, a motion or anything mm. for that. Mm. Uh, no. We can just go forward with that.
And then he'd okay, be put you. back on, he'd be on the agenda like for whenever yes. he gets his uh, briefing ready. Yes. Okay. Okay, right, thank you. Mr. Pritchard, thank yes, you very much. Well, I'm very impressed. Thank you for all you're doing. Great. Okay, wow. Well, that's good. Very good. All right, uh, we have uh, one other item to do uh, before we get to any items that are not on the agenda, and that is the election of a vice chair to the Beautification and Environmental Advisory Committee. So do I have... Any uh, uh, thoughts or nominations from the floor? I have a thought. I, first, before we start, uh, Robin, I'd like to know your background. Oh, well, that's, wait a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, boy, we've been scooting along. Normally in the past, we at the committee, just as the city folks do, we get to look at the application that you filled out uh, of every member, Bob's, mine, Glenn's, Ed's, all of ours, past members, has been there for public view. The, the new policy, it was not available. So if you could, I wanted to take that up as an item. Uh, give us a little rundown of yourself, how long you lived here, where you live, uh, what your interests are, and uh, just a, just kind of a general... Well, I'm a native Floridian. Um, I was born in Coral Gables, and I moved around the country, and I lived in Pennsylvania and moved back here 17 years ago. So I've been living in Palm Coast for 17 years. I do gardening. I have butterfly gardens. I have, what else? I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. Are you in any clubs or anything like that? Um, I <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. But you, you, you have an interest in our Absolutely. items, the beautification. You're interested in the butterflies. Uh, that, that, that's an item. That's a big item. And, and we'll, we, we deal with some other items. And your comments tonight. Uh, are, are really something that I, I'm going to look into is what the differences are in the canals. Why some are going through in the backyard like that in the easement area and others are just left like this uh, for forever. So we could go with that. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, now for our vice chair. What do we think? Anybody have any uh, ideas? Uh, go ahead. Well, you seem to have a lot of uh, background in it. I do, and I was vice chair already. I was I chairman, yep. and so on and so forth. And I thought it might be good for us to wait another month so Robin can think about how the meeting went and her ideas about our group before we pick a vice chair. That sounds good. Would that, we do that, that good with you? I, I, I think that's acceptable um, since we do have a, a new member. And right. Getting, giving a lot and a lot of information going by, especially tonight. Uh, Bob, uh, what's your thoughts on that? I have no problem with it. No problem with that? That's good. I think it's a good idea. 
We don't need a motion on that. Correct, uh, Beth? Okay. Okay, so uh, let's move on then with the items. Uh, and uh, that would be uh, public participation. Well, Mr. Pritchard was very uh, informative, really, of what mm -hmm. was going on. And discussion of matters not on the agenda. Now, uh, uh, we, we have an item, I guess... Uh, do, do you want to uh, have an item on that's not on I the agenda? I have something, but I can wait till next uh, month uh, rather than drag this out any further. Okay, well then let me, that, if you want to do that, that's fine. Then let me just speak of uh, our meeting the other day uh, with the planning board, our uh, presentation. I think it went very well, and I thought we were very well received by the planning board. And uh, I think we need to keep this as an item going forward and, and uh, keep our, our feet going. I, I just, I don't know if anybody saw in today's uh, uh, news journal, uh, they have an article here that the state legislature is moving in Tallahassee to create a, uh, they say uh, they want to create an office of resiliency to deal with rising sea levels and climate change. So the state is moving into that area. Now, in, in the article, they state that the key challenge facing the task force is reaching a consensus on how to go about its work and drafting recommendations. This is something that I think all legislative bodies have is how we... Uh, uh, decide on what to do and go forward with it. But they are creating an office of resiliency to deal with this. And uh, the governor is is behind it. And the state legislature apparently is behind it uh, office. They've appointed, he said last spring, DeSantis appointed a chief science officer for dealing with climate change. So this is a big thing. I think we need to keep keep going on it and keep working on it. So, with that uh, as uh, an item, anybody else have any comments? Uh, Beth or Denise, any comments? Anybody? Uh, we all commented out? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I was going to bring that meeting up, and the uh, planning group was very uh, interested in the presentation. They agreed with us. There was no one there saying it's a hoax, as we yeah. have heard on the news yes, and uh, since they were very positive and they they gave us a little charge about maybe we could give them recommendations yes and as uh, you know as the days went on I'm thinking of recommendations that we can make and ours are kind of limited by our knowledge of architecture our knowledge of building procedures for the height of roads yeah, I, I could not remotely come up with a recommendation saying something of the of the nature of all roads should be eight feet higher than they currently are in the future. Yes. The only thing I could come up with, and th this could be for future discussion, certainly, uh, there was a lot of emphasis on solar at that meeting. Yes. And we could easily make a recommendation that all future city buildings have a solar component 
required during court construction. Yes. Yes, well, I think that's the incentive, plus also for private buildings, that's the incentives that the city now. Ray, Mr. Tyner, when he was here at our meeting when we were dealing with this, was talking about maybe possibly redoing the incentives or enhancing some of the incentives. Is that going on? So I think our staff in the planning division was tasked with a couple of go-to items. The first is our comp plan. So it's been quite a while since we've done the technical work behind the comp plan policies. That's really your foundation of information, your technical supporting documentation to drive your policies being updated through the ER process. And that's coming in the next couple of years, I believe. So staff needs to get up to speed on the technical side behind the scenes of the comp plan policies. That was one. On the incentives, I am not as clear on the action of that. So that ordinance took effect in 2009, the Green Building Incentive Program. And that's a house for any new construction that takes on a certification to be a green development. And then we provide incentive on that front. So if the Beautification Environmental Advisory Committee would like to just clarify the takeaway message that they heard, that would help staff. But I know at least on the comp plan policy, that's something that's actually being taken effect immediately with staff looking at the technical background. Now, Ray did mention about a solar program that the city would, for homes, I guess it was? The one that I came up and clarified as one of the programs that solar is a key element is the PACE program. That's a Property Assessed Clean Energy Program that's actually more facilitated through the county. And that's actually where it can be financed and repaid through your taxes, your property taxes. And solar is one of the more popular options. And hazard mitigation from wind is another one that's supported through that program. There's a host of eligible projects, and solar is one of those. Well, that's one of the things I think that came out a little bit of discussion is that we need to get more in the media and let people know what's available. And I don't think that's happening. You know, get more advertising out, get it out on the street more. Now, you can do that by your new, one of the things is the new Palm Coast First, what's it called? Palm Coast Connect. Connect, yes. I mean, that's a vehicle to do that on. Another is putting it in the little newsletter you get when you pay the water bill and utility bill. That's another one. Or just putting it in the observer listing of things. So I think most people don't know. It's the first time I heard that you can do something with your tax return with the solar. That's your property taxes. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things is get the word out. And they talked about that a little bit, too, at that meeting. Would that be an item that we would be having to go through the planning board for approval with? Or was that 
for a city to, if we were making a recommendation on uh, more publicity, say, for uh, these uh, enter the programs that we have available now? Um, I think it's more recommendations that you would be making to staff yes. for ways that um, city staff can yeah. potentially. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Why don't we, can... we Why don't we focus on that? Okay. And we, we had a series of recommendations on our proposal. Maybe we could look at those. We told it was one was the comp plan, but there was others about incentives programs and getting the word out more. And maybe we can just go forward with that. Uh, uh, and, and or if we wanted to do something, we could pick out some type of plan and do an in-depth review of that and then be able to bring an item right up here to those folks, the planning board, at their meeting ourselves after, after review uh, uh, over time this would be. Pick out one item that we would zero in on. I don't know what that item would be, one of the ones, or something else. Or that idea. The, the sea level rise for the roadways, extra hardening for the buildings, whatever, uh, whatever we, we spoke about uh, that could be done. Or uh, it, this resiliency and the adaptive capacity of the city to respond or to pr be proactive and plan ahead for these kind of things. But we, maybe we could do that pick out one item and, and focus in on it for several meetings, develop a more in-depth area of knowledge of that and that we could bring forward to the planning board as one item. That's what's in our uh, uh, resolution that created us, uh, that we can bring items. Maybe we could do something like that with, uh, with, with you, you folks' help. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Okay, why don't, we, why don't we think about that and, and bring back items and have that as a list of items for discussion for next month. That's great. Everybody discuss, think about that a little bit and move forward with it. Things that are realistic that are, we're capable of getting done. That's where you gotta start. You gotta start with what can be done uh, rather than a, a, a dream of something way up here. Let's start, when, in my work in science, that's what I did for 25 years. I didn't start. That was what we thought about. We started down here and slowly went up the steps, time after time. So I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, does anybody else have anything? <laughs> or, uh, on that note, I think we should adjourn. Make a motion we adjourn. Second. Motion by Bob, seconded by, by our new member, Robin. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Motion carries. Motion does carry. Okay, thank you. Oh,